0: Thank you. Good morning. Uh, how many of you watched the rugby last night? Yeah. Did, did anyone notice what happened to your heart as we played against Wales and the ref? Did, 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 did you feel what was going on inside of you? Yeah, well, We've been doing that for a while now. We've about 18 plus months as we've navigated the last season. And uh, I don't know if, how many of you have got COVID brain. Uh, just uh, let me... Let me Kind of help you. You can put up your hand when you when you identify this. Any of you find it difficult to concentrate, remember details, faces, making decisions? Any, just anyone? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just keep your hands up. Anyone find they're eating all day? Yeah, yeah. And and I know some more of you. Uh, uh, anyone find decreased energy, fatigue, or being seriously run down? Yeah, yeah. Loss of interest or pleasure in hobbies and activities that were once really, really enjoyable? (laughs) Some of you are like five out of five. You are a mess. Anyway, uh, what about this one? Insomnia. How many are you struggling to sleep? Okay, so so, so we're basically a regular, normal crowd here. Uh, These are are symptoms of COVID brain, but they're also symptoms of depression. And uh, we've just gone through... A season of life that has absolutely smoked us. So I found someone really smart who who basically explained what was going on inside of our brains. And uh, they're saying researchers are calling what we're going through pandemic flux syndrome. It's really negatively impacting our mental health. Let me explain why. It says, our brains love predictability. According to research, most of us would rather be in a worse condition, but for a finite amount of time, than be in unpredictable, but better conditions. After being in the pandemic for 18-plus months, we are exhausted. We have depleted our surge capacity, which essentially is our fight-flight-freeze response that allows us to survive short-term crises And your brain is quite literally not designed to live in a state of emergency long-term. It's difficult to rest, recoup, and also process the loss and the grief of the pandemic when it is still ongoing. Your brain is also not good at predicting what will make you happy. Just take a moment and just say to yourself, my brain does not know how to tell me what will make me happy. (laughs) Some of you need to repeat that. So many of us expected we would feel significantly better than we do having some restrictions lifted. Those of us that are more prone to anxiety are likely to want to cope by instituting a major life change, moving across the country, getting a new job. Anyone seen any of that happening recently? Where those of us prone to depression want to retreat and not engage in the world and utterly isolate. I know this doesn't apply to any of us. This, this is the world we're living in. And uh, it's not like we came into this part of life really healthy. So, so let me just kind of pop a few things into your mind. In 2010 in the U.S., they found that more than 253 million prescriptions for antidepressants were written in the U.S. They only have 311 million people. 253 out of 311 million that's a pandemic pre the pandemic there are so that's just people taking pills that they need there are more than 264 million people who suffer from clinical depression in this world according to world health organization it means that depression which is the leading cause of dis- is now the leading cause of disability worldwide in africa so bring it home They estimate that 100 million people in Africa suffer from clinical depression, of which 66% are women. And that, men, is because of you. (laughs) The World Bank considers it the greatest thief of productive economic life, costing between 2.5 and 8.5 trillion US dollars a year. Most African governments devote less than 1% of their budget to mental health. We have 1.4 mental health workers per 100,000 people versus globally, where they have about 9 per 100,000 people. And research shows us, you know this, children who come from homes where their parents are depressed generally perform worse in school, struggle with depression themselves, often miss school, and long-term has huge effects. Before the pandemic, One in six South Africans already suffered from anxiety, depression, or substance use disorder, with 60% of people possibly dealing with PTSD. We live in a country that has more trauma than pretty much any other country in the world outside of what's going on in Syria. We are so blown up. And so COVID has hit us. So this series, called Hidden Heart, is a, a series to begin to give you tools and understanding to deal with the issue. Now, I want to say, up front, I'm not a psychologist. I have been to a psychologist for a long time and will continue. She is an absolute gift, so I I want to tell you I promote them. Secondly, I'm not a doctor, but um, we have some of the most beautiful doctors that I've ever met in our congregation, and I promote them. uh, But I am a pastor, so I'm going to preach from the Word. Now, the reason I tell you that is because often when a pastor begins to speak about depression and things like that, doctors go, and and the reason is because in the medical fraternity, when they look at depression, they see depression as a disease, but when we look at the Bible, we see depression as a symptom. Now, I want to tell you they're both right, but when we look in Scripture, what we see is that the problem is toxic thinking, and the way you deal with that is the medicine of the Word of God. But often what happens is you have so abused and broken your soul that you have neurotransmitters that are literally releasing tons and tons of chemicals into your brain in such a way that you are so overwhelmed by the thoughts going through your mind that you cannot get the Word of God into you. So, so what psychologists and doctors and, and pastors are trying to do is deal with the symptoms so that you think, can think clearly, so that you can get to the root, so that you can be completely healed. This is the journey we're on. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to have me kind of giving you like an overview. And, and my topic was, was basically, you're not the only one. We're in this together, soldier. We're, we're going to get through this. I'm going to kind of send it over you next week. My wife is going to be speaking. I'm going to be interviewing her, um, which is is like most of life. I ask the questions she answers. But uh, uh, she will be talking about her journey. She'll be talking about her struggle with depression, using antidepressants, how God's healed her. And she'll be talking about biblical truth into that space. And then we've got Paul Taylor the following week. And then on the fourth week, we have Mad. Some of you know who she is. She's a, she's a psychologist, and she's a biblical counselor. She's set up counseling across a lot of South Africa. And she'll be speaking to us on the Sunday the 28th, but then on Monday the 29th, you need to book for this, she'll be equipping people on how to have very low-level counseling conversations, and here's her big thing. If the church were to be having low-level, not dangerous, not pretending they're psychologists, just low-level counseling conversations, what would begin to happen is that people all around would start to deal with their stuff, and our health professionals and psychologists wouldn't be overwhelmed. The church has a role to play, but the church has to work their way through this. So today, I am going to dive into a psalm. Now, I know that this is olive tree, so you don't take notes, but I think you should. (laughs) Because I'm going to dig out of the psalms some revelation and experience and stuff that's really going to help you. Now, what I love about the psalms is that they're written by David. And if there's any guy I like, it's David. Because David is a warrior, and he is a man's man and he's a poet, and he's a general, and he's a leader of a nation. He can get up in all regalia, and he can wax lyrical in a speech, and then he can put on skinny jeans and grab a guitar, and he can lead a band. I mean, the the dude has just got it. He has all the strengths, but he's fragile because he's a womanizer. He's possibly the worst parent that's ever existed and he probably struggled with manic depression. He's got flair and he's got failure. And I identify with this. My wife helps me identify with this because on Sunday, I'm all flare and on Monday, I'm all failure. It's just, I understand a guy who's up and down like a yo-yo, it feels calming. And I know there are some of you who are just level-headed and so boringly stable and I just wanna thank Jesus for you. You are a wonderful gift to the rest of us. But for the normal people from earth, we go up and down and we need a David to speak to our souls. So I'm going to dig into this psalm that I think is so beautiful. It starts off, before it even gets into the psalm, it says, a maskil for the sons of Korah. A maskil is a Hebrew verb that means to make someone wise or to instruct. In other words, this is a song that instructs or a song that makes you wise which is really refreshing because I've been listening to some of the music that my son is listening to, and I am convinced that some of the lyrics that are coming out today are literally reducing the IQ in our world. Like, honestly, like, some, how bad can you get? It's just phenomenal. Anyway, so we're going to go to a clever song. It starts like this. All the grannies are, amen, you preach it, brother. As the dear... Longs, the New King James says, is the deer pants for streams of water. So I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before Him? Day and night, I have only tears for food. Anyone had tears for food in their life? You just can't stop it. It just comes and it comes and it comes. While my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go into the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. This guy has been through COVID. He is not a happy dude. When you say tears are my food, you're not happy. This isn't just I'm sad. This is I'm depressed. I am overwhelmed with my emotion. That's, that's how this starts. And then he begins to identify the problem. He names his mess. Now this is really important because I find most people don't know how to name his mess. He names his mess. And there's obviously something traumatic going on because he says, all my enemies are talking about me. So something went down. But he goes, that's not my mess. My mess is, I am longing for God, like the deer pants for water, but I can't get him. And everybody's speaking about me, and so I have these voices in my head that I can't control. So I'm disconnected from God, and I can't control my mindset. That is depression. He is overwhelmed with depression. But he names the problem. Now he says two beautiful things, and these beautiful things, honestly, they will they will save people in here. He says this. He says, I remember how I used to go into the house of God under the protection of the mighty one. Please can I just can you just give me that rope? I want to talk about the mighty one, about the supreme God, the Alpha and the Omega God, the God who. Who knows the beginning from the end, the God who shaped you and formed you and understands your complexity. Bru, can I just borrow you again? Let me show you how God works because He's supreme. He made all things. He holds all things together. He all things are for him. He understands his thoughts are higher than your thoughts, his ways are higher than your ways. I, I started an alpha with a bunch of people, and um, I, I don't know how many people I invited, I think I invited about 30, and 29 of them said no, you, you ever find that, it's like, yo, I mean, I, I have some kite surfing friends, and I knew they were hardcore, but geesh, 29 <laughs> no's, here's what happens, I invite you, Terrence, and he goes, no, Bri, I'm not coming to Alpha, and then what happens is, Ange invites him, and he goes, Thanks, but no thanks, because he's nice. Bones invites him. He's a bit intimidated, because Bones is huge. But he still goes, no, I'm not going. Then Gareth invites him. And he says, nah, no. Okay, Gareth, choose someone. There we go. They're so nice. I feel like if they're inviting you, you have to go. It's like... (laughs) It's kind of awkward. awkward. I, uh, now I need someone who's... who's a, is that Fez? No? Sorry. Then what happens is is person after person after person invites Terence, And eventually he's, he's so, like, knocked. He's, he's kind of, like, worn down. And eventually what happens is that God... Who wants Terence to get saved? Thank you so much. What is your name? Awanda. Awande. Awande. God, who's known Awande since the day she was born, that there was an evangelist gift inside of her, uses me and Ange and Bones and Gareth. He uses every single person to soften Terence up so that when Awande goes to him and she gives the last yank. Terence goes, yes. And in that moment, God has just released an evangelist and he saved a soul. You see, God has been planning stuff from the beginning. And the reason you need to know this about depression is because sometimes you're in depression and you pray a prayer and Jesus just yanks you right out. And it is so beautiful. And sometimes he will leave you in depression for years and years because he needs you to be in a life group who's going to help you. And he needs you to start renewing your mind and begin new habits that are going to help you. And he needs you... Thank you, giving back the rope already. He needs you to start praying in ways that you've never prayed before. You need to stay there. Bro. He needs you to work he, the problem with all the ways that he wants to give you grace so that he can grab hold of your soul and begin to transform it so that one day you wake up and when you wake up, your soul now is so shaped and formed by him because he's intrinsically gotten to every aspect of your life so that you wake up in the morning and you go, my soul is panting. For the living God. He has changed your hunger. He has sh- changed your DNA. He has shaped something new in you through a process of stuff that's happening. You've got to know this the God whose thoughts are higher than your thoughts, whose ways are higher than yours, your ways, knows what your soul actually needs and he will not waste an hour of your pain, but will use it so that he can sovereignly make you a person who may not be happy, but who carries joy. You may not be running around like all extroverty, but there's no anxiety. Mm. Because now you have a peace that surpasses all understanding because He has literally rewired your soul. And if you are in depression right now, we weep with you, but I want you to know that you have a God who is rewiring your soul. You hold on, He's mighty. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> There's something of God on that word, and if it's, for some of you, it's going to hold you, hold on to that word. He says, he's mighty, and then he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. Now, he then talks about all the good, good old days. Any of you remember the good old days? When you could touch your toes, like the, the good old days. When when you could remember what the person's name was that you just met. Remember the good old days before looting and COVID and whatever just happened in politics. The good old days can be a gift and they can be a curse. That's why the Bible sometimes says, remember this, and other times it says, forget this. So it says, remember these things. God commands them. See, I have to remember when I'm stressed about finances that God gave me a motorbike when my motorbike was stolen and and he caused some people to give me a car when, my car, when I got hijacked. And he, he has, in the last season of life, consistently given me a Hilux to drive for months at a time whilst my mates have been overseas because I, I was struggling. And, and when I start to remember all the ways that God has looked after me, I get into financial difficulty and I go, ah, oh, he's got this. He's had it there, he had it there, he had it there. It's, that's remembering that works for you. There is remembering that works against you. Any of you find yourself in a meeting anytime recently, and suddenly you have a disproportionate reaction to what just went down? Maybe it was a, a meeting with your wife. Any of you find it like you, you, the emotion just pops out at the seams? You get triggered? You get hooked? You know what? <laughs> I'd love to know what's going on down there, but anyway. <laughs> Here's what's happening. When you don't deal with your remember, your remember will keep holding you. You see, South Africa has had more trauma than I think any nation in the world. And, uh, and you get triggered by things that caused you trauma. And so you smell that smell and suddenly you find your emotions all over the show. Or he says those words and you remember... What your dad said when you were five years old that he was so disappointed in you that he didn't want you to be his son, or you you have that look from that guy and you remember how you got abused when you were seventeen. You see, these are these are triggers and they don't take you to an event, they take you to a feeling. Which is why you're sitting in a board meeting and someone insults you, but the way he insults you remembers what it makes you remember what happened when you were five, and now you're finding you're, gonna, you're about to tear his head off, and you need to just, like, calm yourself down. What's going on? You've been triggered. Now, friends, how many of you lost someone during COVID? Okay. Now, keep your hands up. How many of you lost a friend who moved during COVID? You see, leaving causes grieving. That's what I'm showing you. How many of you broke up with someone during COVID? I'm not, don't put your hands up. <laughs> <laughs> People have just been losing. If you keep losing stuff, the result is going to be grieving and triggering because it's going to trigger trauma. So it actually fascinates me when people keep a level head. You see... We're getting triggered all day long at the moment. And what we need to do is go, I'm going to take my remember to the cross, and I'm going to allow God to reshape it. And that's what David does right here. He begins to deal with his remember, and this is how he does it. He says, he speaks. To his mess. He identifies his the mess, then he speaks to his mess. In Psalm 42, 5, he says, Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He is talking to his soul. Some of you need to talk to your soul. How many of you talk to yourself? Not like that. Talk to yourself. Okay, here's why it's so important. You either tell your soul what to do, or you feel your soul what to do. Okay? So, I don't know how many of you ate your way through COVID. (laughs) What you were doing was you were feeling your soul into what to do. Anyone made really good decisions by following your feelings? Like, he's bankrupt, but when I'm with him, I just feel so good. <laughs> Man, I, I know I don't have enough money, but when I drove that car, I just felt so good. <laughs> feelings, feelings do not lead you into life. Feelings lead you into death. And so he speaks to his feelings, and he tells his soul what to do. What he's doing is he's, he's taking control of his feelings with his mind. See, my friend Tim Churchman, he was supposed to be here, and he's hitting triple digits, and I was going to tell him, Tim, I'm going to give you some words that are going to change your life. And you just need to speak these to your soul. All you have to say every day is, I'm full, I'm full, I'm full. I don't have to eat anymore, I'm full. It'll just change your life. Anyway, he's not here, but I hope he watches online. But here's the thing, when you speak to your soul, you take Authority of your emotions. When you take authority of your emotions, God can begin healing you. David speaks to his soul. And then he says, Now I am deeply discouraged. But I will remember you, even from the distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Now I am deeply discouraged. You know. Part of the reason I need the Psalms is because I remember the day, some of you are going to leave this church by the end of the story, but I remember the day that I was driving down there and someone cut me off. And I sat on the hooter hoping he would jump out. (laughs) I got that angry. I was really excited for him to jump out because I didn't know if I was going to hit the accelerator or jump out myself. I was that angry. I remember a day when I woke up in so much emotional pain that it felt like I was having a heart attack. Heart attack. I know what that feels like. David's describing this stuff. I know what it feels like to not be able to sleep, and then you start stitching together movies of your worst day plus your other worst day plus your other worst day Plus the other worst day, and then you start drawing conclusions of the movie you just stitched together. I I understand that. I understand what it feels like when you wake up in the morning and you just don't want to get out of bed because you're feeling such a sense of shame, and I just botched it again, and I didn't care for that person, I don't have anything to care for that person. I I know what those feelings are like. David is naming the feelings but he's not letting the feelings control him. And so he names the feelings. You have to name them. You have to identify them. You have to speak to them. He names them, but then listen to what he says. He says, basically, I'm far away from you, God. That's what he's saying. I'm in Mount Herman. It's miles away. But I can hear. It's a distant here. I can't feel it, but I can hear... The raging seas of your waves, I can remember how you pour out your unfailing love upon me. And through each night, I've got the song. How many of you come to church just so you can get a song so that you can go home? A song that plays in your mind that keeps you alive. What he's saying is, I've got a song that I think you put into my heart, and I remember your love that was poured out on me. I I, I can't feel it right now, but I'll dig back to everything you've done. You know what he's doing? He's going, feelings, you're not going to control me. I'm going to take authority over this. I'm going to remember the things of God. Even though I'm not feeling it, doesn't mean it's not real. I'm going to declare this over my soul, because otherwise my soul is going to go into a place that is so dark. I'm going to die. And then he begins to pray. Now, let me tell you the problem with Christians. We start off by praying. Before we've reframed what's going on, before we've identified what the real problem is, we just, we start praying. You know what your prayers sound like? Whining. I know, I've got three kids. It's just whine. I understand. I have done this to God. And it's better to do it to God than to do it to people around you. Half of the problem that we have right now is people are vomiting on people around them. I want you to know this. People around you are too fragile. You think they can take it? I'm a pastor. I know we can't. You need to do your vomiting with God and your processing with people. David begins to pray, and he says this, oh God, my rock, oh God, you're dependable, but why have you forgotten me? You know what he's doing? He's freaking out, but he's freaking out in the love zone, in the safe place. With the only one with unconditional love, he's freaking out to him. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? You know know where I go to freak out is I go kite surfing. It is wonderful. I can shout so loud. I can even drop a swear word and no (laughs) one can hear. (laughs) I freak out and pour out my heart before God. What am I doing? I'm taking the pain because, friends, the reason we're in pain is because there's evil in this world and we're stupid. Not all of us. Lots of you are clever. But we are fragile, don't understand what will make us happy. And there is evil all around us. And it smashes us up. And at some stage you have to just go to God and you have to shout it all out. But first he identifies his mess. Then he speaks to his mess. Then he reframes his mess and then he prays through his mess. Now friends, there is so much owie around us. And God's word is not an immediate McDonald's solve. It's a process to change you. And I've heard people say to me, Ross, the Christianity thing isn't working for me. And I would say to them, you're trying to treat a relationship like a moment, like an event. God wants to walk with you, but His entire plan is to change you in the walk. And so David ends the psalm, and I'm going to end by declaring stuff over you. He says, again, in verse 11, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. I will put my hope in God. I'm not feeling Him. I'm disconnected from Him. I'm depressed. It's a mess. I feel like my business is never going to take over. I will praise you I'll put my hope in you again. I will praise you yet again. Man, it's all, but I will praise you. You know what he's doing? He's just speaking again. He's speaking to his spirit. And I want to say this to you. Your spirit is way stronger than you think. And if you will feed it and speak to it and declare life over it, what will start to happen is that you will still go through your ups and downs. You will still be yo-yo. But you'll find that you have the strength that just keeps popping you out and popping you out, and popping you out. If you'll take Psalm 42, and you will use it like it was meant to be used, it will pop you out, and strengthen your spirit, and set you free. Won't you stand? This is going to be weird, but I'm going to speak to your spirits. So I want you to go like this, and if you're not a Christian, just go, this is why? Why? World's broken, these oaks. Let's go like this. I declare the Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that you may have my peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Now, I just declare over this congregation, Lord, that you begin to make spirits come alive that you get hold of people and you restore what is dead and turn to ashes. I thank you, God, that ashes have the greatest mineral source for new life. And so I just speak over people's dead parts, that, Lord, the reign of your Holy Spirit will come on and the life that is already in there will come alive. So come alive in the name of Jesus Christ. May God bless you. And may he keep you and may his face shine upon you. Join us for the rest of this series. It's been lovely being with you. God bless.